In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one that we name. We will study tonight together chapter 3 from the letter of St. Paul to his disciple Titus. In this chapter, St. Paul instructs his disciple Titus to remind all of us to be kind to all men, to be kind to all men. And he told him to remind the people with the kindness of God. God is kind with us, not because we are worthy of his kindness, but he is kind with us because of his goodness. Although we are not worthy of his kindness, so, when we remember all the time the kindness of God toward us, this will help us to be kind to one another. And this chapter can be divided into four parts. The first part is about the Christian and the government, Christian and authority, from verse 1 to 3. Then from verse 4 to 8, about the kindness of God toward us. The kindness of God toward us. Then verse 9 to 11, about the heretical people and the divisive people, those who make division in the church. And finally, from verse 12 to verse 15, just he mentioned his final remarks, greetings and benediction. So let's start first with the first three verses from verse 1 to verse 3. Remind them to be subject to rulers and authorities, to obey, to be ready for every good work, to speak evil of no one, to be peaceable, gentle, showing all humanity to all men. Actually, if we remember how the letter of St. Paul to Titus was written, in chapter 1, he spoke about the Christian inside the church, the behavior of the Christian inside the church. Chapter 2, he spoke about the Christian inside the home. And in chapter 3, he spoke about the Christian and the world around him. And he instructed Titus to remind the believers to, seek, to be subject to rulers and authorities, to obey the government. And this teaching, actually, St. Paul received it from the Lord himself, as we read in Mark 12, from verse 13 to 17. And also St. Paul mentioned the same meaning in Romans 13, 1 to 7. And St. Peter mentioned this in 1 Peter chapter 2, from 13 to 17. And St. Paul told them, told him, remind them 
which means this is not a new commandment, not a new instruction. But Titus has to remind the believers all the time to obey the authority. And this is a very good lesson to all of us. Because the church teaches us to be obedient to the government, to authority, to the law. Even the Lord Jesus Christ himself obeyed the law and he paid taxes when the people who came to collect the taxes and asked Peter about whether the Lord Jesus Christ paid the taxes or not, the Lord Jesus Christ demonstrated a good example by asking Peter to pay for Peter and also for the Lord Jesus Christ. But what if God's laws is in contradiction with the law of the government. For example, like now we want to legalize abortion or homosexuality. What should we do? It's clear in Acts chapter 4, verse 19 and 20, that God's law must be obeyed first. It is all to obey God more than people. That's why in all or in the past, when the governor or the ruler or the emperor asked the people to deny God or to deny Christ, they accepted martyrdom and they refused to offer incense to idols. And because the government and the authority, they make decisions about the people and about their life. That's why we are instructed to pray for them as we read in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1 and 2. And in our liturgy, there is a special litany for the leader of our land in order that God may grant him wisdom in order to lead the country in a way that's pleasing God and in order for us the believers to live a peaceable and quiet life. And many times, maybe just we have to work but quietly in order to uh, get bad law changed. So, if there is a bad law, like, you know, in the uh, election, they want to pass a uh, ban on gay marriage, at least in three states, in Florida, Arizona, and California. We have responsibility here to teach people, to educate them, to ask them to go and vote against gay marriage, because this is, again, the teaching of God to allow same-sex marriage. So it is our responsibility to work quietly and peacefully in order to change bad laws. But it is a responsibility for us. That's why St. Paul said to Titus, instructed them to obey and to be ready for every good work. When there is opportunity to do a good work or to change a bad law, you need to be ready to do this. Be ready.
for every good work. Why God instructed us to obey the government and the authority? As Greek in Romans chapter 16, every authority is from God. And we need the government because some bad people have to be kept in check by the law. That's why God assigned rulers and authorities and governments in order to avenge from the evil doers, as we read in Romans chapter 13. Then in verse 2, St. Paul said to Titus, remind them to speak evil of no one, to be peaceable, to be gentle, to show all humility to all men. So actually, he instructed him to remind us of four things. Number one, Christians are not to speak anything that's bad about anybody. Actually, if we try to keep this commandment, not to say a bad word about anybody, even if this is the truth about him, but it's not your business to judge your brother or to say a bad word about him. Ask yourself, if are you going to say this bad word, are you going to edify the listener? Are you going to give grace to the listener? Or are you going to offend him and actually to put a stumbling block in his way? If are you going to offend him, then no, don't speak bad about anybody. We should not speak evil about anyone. Number two, he told him that the Christian should long for peace and he will not want, the Christian should not want to fight. The Lord in the Beatitudes said, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. God is the prince of peace, is the king of peace. And if, if we are truly his children, then actually we should pursue peace with everybody. And we should not fight or argue with anybody. We have to keep a peaceable relationship with everybody. Number three, he told him that we should be gentle, gentle and kind, gentle and meek, to be sensitive to others' feelings, and to be kind to, to them. As the Lord Jesus Christ, all the time, he showed kindness and gentleness. Actually, he asked us to learn from him because he is meek and of lowly heart. And number four, he asked him to remind us to show all humility to all men, to be humble. As the Lord actually came not to be served, but to serve, as he washed the feet of the disciples, we, his children, should be humble. And if we humble, God will give us grace, as we read in the scripture. God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble.
And here, just I want to emphasize that to be mean, to be gentle, to be humble, is very different from being weak. Being weak means in the time in which you should speak the truth in boldness, you cannot. But being meek and humble means you are kind to everybody. But when there is opportunity to say the truth in boldness, then you will be able to speak. As his holiness wrote in his poem, Every believer is a meek person, but when it comes to the truth, he's like a lion, he's brave, he's like a lion. And St. Paul reminded them that we were bad people before. Before the grace of God came upon us, we were bad people. That's why we should not judge anybody. We should not speak evil about anybody. As he said in verse 3, for we ourselves were also once foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving various lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. The Cretans were Gentiles, and before they accepted Christ, actually, they were involved in all these bad sins. And any person, before knowing the Lord Jesus Christ, and before having the grace of God in his heart, he committed all such uh, sins. He said that we were also once foolish. Foolish means mindless make decisions without thinking, make decisions lacking wisdom, make decisions in haste. Disobedient, especially to the law of God. We did not follow the commandment of God, but we followed our own desires. Deceived or led astray by Satan, and by our own desires. We face many people when they live away from the grace of God, you can tell that they are blind. They don't see what they are doing. They are led astray and they perceive the way in which they are walking as good way, but its end is death and destruction. Also, serving various lusts and pleasures, which means we were slaves to pleasures and strong desires. We are not the masters of our desires, but the desires are our masters. 
who are controlled and enslaved by our desires. As St. Paul said, all things are lawful, but nothing controls me. When I serve my desires and I serve my lusts and pleasures, then I am enslaved to these pleasures and lusts. And also, also, we wasted our time in negative and bad feelings about other people. Simply, we hated them because God is love. And when we are away, we are away from God, we are away from love. So if we, if we are away from love, our heart will be full of what? Of hatred. That's why St. Paul said, living in malice and envy, speaking evil and envious of one another, hateful, we hate our brothers, we don't seek our good, uh, their good, but we, we want to put ourselves before them, hating one another. So, we were such bad people, and that's why we were not worthy of any goodness. So if God had mercy upon us, and if God showed kindness to us, definitely not because we are worthy, but because He is good in Himself. He is merciful in Himself. He is kind. And if we remember that we were not worthy, but God did kindly with us, then actually we have to show kindness to others, even those whom we perceive as unworthy. In this verse, St. Paul said, yes, we were living in such sins, but when the kindness and the love of God, our Savior, toward the man appeared, when the kindness and love of God, our Savior, toward man appeared, God is kind to us, not because we are worthy, but because of His love. Verse 5, not by words of righteousness, which we have done. Definitely God did not show kindness toward us because we were doing righteousness or we living righteous life. Absolutely not. As St. Paul described in verse 3, how was our state? Then this kindness, not because of words of righteousness which we have done, but based on what? But according to his mercy, he saved us. According to his mercy. It was because of his mercy that God saved us. That's why in every divine liturgy, we appeal and we cry for the mercies of God. We say, Lord, have mercy several times. And when we remember the judgment day, he appointed a, a day for recompense, for recompense in which he will appear to judge the world and righteousness and give each one according to his deeds. What we respond, we say, according to your mercy, O Lord, and not according to our sins. He saved us 
through his mercies. Through, but according to his mercy, he saved us. How did we receive this salvation? He said, through the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit. Washing of regeneration, that is baptism. In baptism, we are born again. We, we became a new creation in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what he said, regeneration. Washing of regeneration. And the renewal of the Holy Spirit, that is the sacrament of chrismation. When we are anointed by the Holy Oil, and we receive the Holy Spirit, so the Holy Spirit actually gives us a new heart, a new nature. So we are regenerated by baptism, and we are renewed by the Holy Spirit. We are made new by the Holy Spirit, as Sir Paul also explained in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. So, this verse is a very important verse to prove that there is no salvation without baptism and without chrismation. We receive salvation through these channels. As St. Paul said, uh, saved us through the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us abundantly through Jesus Christ, our Savior. So God did not give us little of his Holy Spirit, or he did not give us just enough of the Holy Spirit, but He gives us the Holy Spirit abundantly. So, and as the Paul said, pour out on us abundantly. But what did He mean by through Jesus Christ? He said, whom He poured out on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Savior. He meant that it is because of the death and resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ now we are able to receive the Holy Spirit. In the Old Testament, people did not receive the Holy Spirit because the Lord did not die and rise. But in the New Testament, now we are able to receive the Holy Spirit because the Lord Jesus Christ redeemed us because of his death and resurrection. That's why now we are new uh, creation in the Lord Jesus Christ, and now we can receive the Holy Spirit. And here I want you to notice in this verse, actually, St. Paul spoke about the Holy Trinity. Whom he poured out, poured out, that's the Father. So whom the Father poured out, whom referring to the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit, whom the Father poured out on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Savior. So in this verse we see the work of the Holy Trinity in our salvation. It is through the death and resurrection of the Son that the Father sent to us and poured on us the Holy Spirit. Verse 7, that 
Help him be justified by his grace. We should become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. So now, through the salvation, now through the baptism, through the chrismation, through the sacraments of the church, now we are justified by his grace. Justified by his grace, it's not because we are worthy. It's not because of our righteous deeds, but we are justified because of his mercy, because of his grace, because of his love. What does it mean to be justified? To be justified means as if I did not ever sin, as if I have never sinned. That's what means justified. I am innocent before God. That is actually the work of the Holy Spirit. Now because we are justified, then we are qualified to inherit the kingdom of God, to inherit the eternal life. That's why he said, now being justified, we should become heirs. We should inherit, we are qualified to inherit according to the hope of eternal life. So we have hope that we will inherit the eternal life, the kingdom of God, because we are justified and we receive this justification through the sacraments of the church. So this hope will keep us uh, going on, will motivate us, will help us to pursue good works in our life. That's why in verse 8, St. Paul said, this is a faithful saying. What I'm going to say is a true saying. You need to take it seriously. What? And these things I want you to affirm constantly. So he's saying to some uh, Titus, his disciple, what I'm going to tell you right now is a true saying. And I want you as a bishop to affirm this teaching constantly to your people. What is this saying? That those who have believed in God should be careful to maintain good works. And here St. Paul actually kept the balance between faith and works. He said this is a faithful saying. Don't say, I believe, I am justified, then I am free to do whatever I want to do. St. Paul said in other place, don't let your freedom be an opportunity for the flesh. That's why he told him, I want you to affirm this teaching constantly, that those who believe in God should be careful to maintain good works. If you received all this, all these blessings, if you receive this justification and this salvation, then you need to pursue good works. Those who have trusted God must be careful to be busy doing what is good. Instead of being busy speaking evil about others or being busy doing evil and bad works, no, as children of God, we should do and pursue every good work. These things are good and profitable to men.
to believe, to be washed by baptism, washed of regeneration, to be renewed by the Holy Spirit in chrismation, and to pursue good things and good works, all this all these are good and profitable to men. So we must think and plan how to do more good to help other people. Because this is good and profitable not only for ourselves but for everybody around us. This is how the believer should behave in the world. In verse 9 to 11, St. Paul gives some instruction how to deal with heretical people and schismatic people, people who want to divide the church or to split the church. In verse 9 he said, but avoid foolish disputes, genealogies, contentions, and strivings about the law, for they are unprofitable and useless. Some people actually waste time on arguing. And here just I want to mention uh, some habits, like people who spend and waste hours and hours on pal talk, arguing, and they know they will not reach anything. This is just a foolish argument. It is purposeless. So St. Paul here, he said, avoid foolish disputes. If the other person is not asking to learn and to know the truth, but just asking to argue with you, no, we Christians should avoid foolish disputes. Our time is so precious to waste it in such foolish activities. We need to use our time wisely. God gave us this time for the edification of the kingdom of God. That's why any activity that's foolish, we should avoid it. Avoid foolish disputes. We are to avoid such things and turn our backs on them. Genealogists. Some Jewish people at the time of St. Paul, they want to uh, compare and to argue about genealogy, or con they contend and strive and fight about the law of Moses and how to interpret it. St. Paul said, all such arguments are unprofitable and useless. Unprofitable and useless. And you need to be wise enough to end such argument and such dispute and contention. Because all what produces uh, bitterness within, maybe you will develop some uh, bad feeling or negative feeling toward other, maybe hatred toward other. So this argument will have its negative effect on you and on others. That's why we as Christians, we should speak only whatever give grace to the listener, whatever edifies the listener, but other than this, we should avoid. Then, if a person is divisive man, divisive means 
a person who splints, whether splints the church because of his own personal ideas, or splints the church because of doctrine and because of false teaching. St. Paul here instructed Titus as the Bishop of Crete to reject a divisive man after the first and second admonition. So he has to admonish him, to warn him, to rebuke him at least twice. And after this, if this divisive man did not listen, then the bishop should reject such person. Because if we keep such person in the community of the believer, he will divide the church. And as the Lord Jesus Christ said, a house that's divided on itself will be desolate. That's why the, the church leaders have opportunity, have responsibility to reject such divisive people. And that's why we should be careful when we speak and we share ideas. If our own ideas will divide the church, then it is wrong. We should not spell it out, should not speak it. The church leaders are to stop a man like that who wants to talk about his own ideas at all times, which are divisive or false teaching. And a man who will not listen has turned out from the teaching of God's word. As St. Paul said in verse 11, knowing that such a man such person, such divisive person, is warped and sinning, being self-condemned. So such man is committing a great sin because he is dividing the church. And he himself is deceived and he condemned by his own behavior, self-condemned. So actually, his own behavior will condemn him. Sadly enough that there are people whose lives are so bad and whose behavior are so divisive that they have to be out, they have to be put out of the church in order to keep uh, the peace and the unity of the church. Then from verse 12 to verse 15, St. Paul actually put his final remarks. St. Paul wanted Titus to go and see him. That's why he, he will send one person to replace Titus in Crete, so that give Titus opportunity to go and visit St. Paul. In verse 12, he told him, When I send Artemis to you, or Tychicus, be diligent to come to me at Nicopolis. So apparently St. Paul was going to Nicopolis, as he told him, for I have decided to spend the winter there. Maybe he is going and spend the whole winter in Nicopolis. Maybe he will establish a church there. Maybe he will preach Christ to the people there. That's why he said to Titus to come to him. And 
in order to find somebody to cover uh, the place of Titus, he told him, I will send you either Artemis or Tychicus. And once one of them arrived, then be diligent to come to me uh, at Nicopolis, and I will stay there the whole winter. So most probably this letter was written around the fall, uh, and he was expecting to meet uh, Titus around winter. Then in verse uh, 13, he told him, send Zenas the lawyer and Apollos on their journey with haste, that they may lack nothing. We don't know who is Zenas the lawyer. Apollos is Apollos from Alexandria that was mentioned in the book of Acts. And maybe St. Paul sent his letter to Titus by Zenas and Apollos. Maybe these two persons carried the letter from St. Paul to Titus. So he's saying to Titus, don't keep them there. Send them with haste. Send them on their journey with haste. And be generous with them. Give them what they need so that in their journey back, they may lack nothing. So this here, an instruction about generosity. Give them what they need so when they come to me back in their journey, they may lack nothing. And then St. Paul emphasizes again the importance of keeping yourself busy doing good works. Instead of keeping ourselves busy judging and envying others and speaking evil, he said, no, keep yourself busy doing good works. And he gave two reasons. He said, and let our people also learn to maintain good works. Why? Why should we maintain good works? Why should we work and make money? He said, number one, to meet urgent needs. Maybe you don't need this money, but maybe your brother is in need, is in urgent need. So you need to work and be ready. So if your brother is in need, you should be able to supply for his need. That's the first reason. And second reason, that they may not be unfruitful. That you bear fruit. Maybe you can use this money in the edification of the Church of God, in service, in ministry, and thus you can bear fruit for the Kingdom of God. Maybe your gift is not teaching. Maybe your gift is not preaching. Maybe your gift is not serving in the Church in any capacity. But maybe all what can you need, you can you do is to work, and maybe work over time, and then donate what you make for some people who are serving and making profit and fruits for the Church of God. So that is another reason why you need to maintain good works. Then St. Paul in verse 15 told Titus, all who are with me greet you. All who are with me greet you. This greeting is uh, a sign of love. 
maybe Lord was with him during the uh, writing this letter, or maybe others. And then he said to him, greet those who love us in the faith. So this love based on the unity of faith, not it is uh, just friendship. No, all the believers who are members in the same body and in the same uh, faith, then they are united with the bond of love. That's why he said, greet those who love us in the faith. And he concluded by the benediction by saying, grace be with you all. Amen. The grace of God be with you all. Amen. Glory be to God forever and ever.